So here's what I want you to do. I want you, because this, what you're about to hear, and I'm not going to say it's like the most amazing message you've ever heard in your, own entire, in your entire life. I'm not saying that. But what I am going to say to you right up front is this is one of the most important messages that I've ever shared with you. Because it's going to answer some questions that many of you have had before. Many of you are going to say, you know what? That made sense. Oh, that made sense to me. But, but it even goes beyond that because for a lot of you, uh, you know a, lo a lot of this. Maybe not everything I'm going to share with you today, but I want you to learn so that you can help some other people. Does that make sense? So here's what I want you to do. Your phone, your, your tablet, a notepad, whatever you've got, I want you to take some really, really, really good notes because here's what I want you to do. And I'm serious when I say this. I want you to go out and I want you to teach this. And you say, well, you know, what am I going to do? Just have people sit down at work and say, hey, I'm about to teach you. No, but I want you to become so familiar with what I'm, the content that I'm going to share with you today. I want you to be so familiar with it that when you're engaged in a conversation that you can explain some things that's going to help people. All right. Does that make sense? Okay. For four of you, it made perfect sense. Does it make sense? Are you willing to learn something today that's going to help other people in and around your life? Family members and friends. So let's dive into this together. We're continuing this very, very important series. We've been talking about why your worldview matters. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the front end except that, to say that our worldview, if you've not been here, I'd encourage you to go back and watch the two previous weeks on demand. But... Uh, you know, our worldview is really the sum of the beliefs that we base our life on. Your worldview, and you and I don't think of our worldview that often. It's not like we consciously say or can alliterate what our worldview is. Okay, here's my worldview, one, two, three. But, but you and I have a worldview. You do. Every one of us have a worldview. And can I just tell you, our worldview are the beliefs that we build our life upon. Here's another thing I want to say about worldview, that if you've been here, you've heard me say this. Our worldview is being influenced all the time. There's not really a week in your life that goes by that your worldview is not being influenced. It's going to be influenced by family members, by friends, by coworkers, by media, by what you see here, by social media. Your worldview is constantly, constantly uh, being influenced by, you know, external uh, forces. Now, here's the other thing you need to know about your worldview. And for some of you, this is a reminder. For others of you, you weren't here before, and so you just need to uh, know this right up front. Our worldview basically uh, is, is uh, being accessed every time we've got to make a decision. So you don't think about it that way. When you've got to make a decision in your life, and you'll probably make many decisions this week, you're probably not saying, oh, 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 oh let me consult with my worldview. You're not going to do that, but here's what you're going to do naturally. You're going to access your worldview. And really, the decisions that you make, those decisions are going to be based upon your own personal worldview. Everybody has a worldview. You do. I do. It's being influenced all the time, and our worldview is actually influencing the decisions that you and I are making all of the time. So to get us started with part three, and... Uh, we're going to learn together, right? And we're going to learn something that we can teach others, right? So to get us started here with part three, I'd like to mention something. This part you already know, but uh, I want to touch upon it nevertheless. Um, not everything in this world is good. How many of you would agree with that? Not everything in this world is good. 
And I'm a positive. I'm like an ultra-positive person, and it's hard for me to admit that because I want everything to be positive and wonderful and beautiful. But not everything in this world is, is good. Not everything in this world is happy. Not everything in this world is beautiful. How many of you believe that real evil exists in this world? Do you believe that? Real evil. You just turn on the, you just turn on the, the TV. You just read, uh, and you know, I don't need to convince you of that. You know this, that real evil exists in the world, and uh, here's why that is. And I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, it's because sin has entered the world. Why is there evil in the world? Because sin has entered the world. Uh, it's why the world is so messed up. Now, uh, for the most of all, all of us, we know what sin is. Sin is, and I'll just give you a definition. You can get this down if you like. You know this. But sin is any attitude or action that is against God. Let me say that again. Sin is any attitude or action that is against God. And oh, by the way, all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. How many of you know that? You sinned this week. You say, well, you don't know that. I've got a sneaky suspicion you probably did somehow. Have you been perfect all week long? Some of you are like, are you kidding? I wasn't even perfect on the way to church. I've got to get that worked out as soon as church is over. You know, you and I, all of us sin. And sin goes all the way back to the beginning, all the way back. In fact, let me show you right up here on the screen. The guys are showing you. I'll just read what they're putting here. Sin came into the world because of what one man, who's the one man? Adam, because the scripture is talking about Paul's writing Romans. He's talking about Adam because of what Adam did. And with sin came death. So sin entered the world, according to scripture, very early on through the first man, through Adam. But what about now? What about now? Look at this verse in Ecclesiastes. Look at this verse right here. Not a single person on earth is always good. Time out. You can go. This is permitted unless they're new. If they're new, don't do this to a new person, all right? If you're like, I think they're new. But anybody else, especially if you know them, say this. Just go ahead and tell them you're not good all the time. Just, just go ahead and let them know. You know, you may be 80, not all the time. Now, how many of you know that about yourself? You're not good all the time. You say, well, I'm good 99.8% of the time. Okay, well, I'm not going to debate that. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. So sin got started, started early on and it continues today. So that means that sin is a universal problem. And I'm going to ask you a question so I know whether or not you're listening. And who has sinned? All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. Now, I'm going to mention this rather quickly. Uh, most of you know that sin, as we uh, mentioned just a moment ago, that sin is any attitude or action uh, that is against God. But what you might, may not know is that there's actually uh, three words that are mentioned in the Bible that refer to wrongdoing. And I'll give you these, and you can th get these down if you like. It's not as much what I want you to write down that you're going to help others to know, but I'll give this to you because some of you have never thought of it this way. But the Bible mentions three words that refer to wrongdoing. Here's the first word. We've already mentioned it, sin. And what does sin mean? Sin actually means this. It means to miss the mark 
are to fall short. That's what sin means, to miss the mark, to fall short. Paul later said, and here's a verse, and I could give you many, but Paul said this, all have sinned, right? How many of us have sinned? All of us. Nobody's good all of the time. All of us have sinned, and what did he say? We fall short of the glory of God. Now, when Paul, he's talking about sin here. It means we fall short. It's, it's a, actually an archery term. It's an archery term where you're aiming at a target, but you release the arrow and you miss the mark. It falls short. All right. So that's, that's what sin is. Second word. Let me give you this real quick, uh, real quickly. The second word is actually this word right here. Uh, it is the word transgression. Transgression. It's another word that the Bible uses to define sin or wrongdoing. Transgression is actually the opposite of sin. It is not to fall short. Transgression actually means to go past it. It's, it's very deliberate. It's very intentional. Uh, transgression would be, it's not falling short. It's actually saying, I've got a choice to make here, and I'm actually choosing to cross the line. Now, I know I shouldn't do this, and I know the line is right here. Here's the line. I shouldn't cross it, but uh, transgression is saying, I'm going to cross it anyhow. I cross the line. Sin, I fall short. I miss the mark. Transgression is... I choose, willfully choose to step over the line. Here's the third word, iniquity, iniquity. Sin, transgression, and iniquity. And initial, uh, iniquity is actually a matter of the heart. It is the natural tendency, our natural disposition that we have in our heart to wonder, to do our own thing. Sin, I fall short. I miss the mark. Transgression, I step over the line. With, the, with iniquity, uh, what I'm doing with that is I'm actually saying, I'm just going to wander around. I'm going to do my own thing. I know that God says this, but I'm going to do this. It's in, in essence acting as though we're smarter than God. I know God doesn't want me to do, uh, God does not want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyhow. I, I know that I should be doing this, but I'm just going to refuse to do it. And here's a verse. It's not on the screen, but this would capture iniquity. The scripture says, all of us like sheep, we've done what? We've gone astray. We've turned. It's not talking here about sin or transgression. That is a word. The word there would be iniquity. Now, what is, uh, what is unique is there's a verse in the Bible, and the guys are going to put it on the screen. This is out of the Psalms, and this is actually David. It's one of those rare times when all three words are used in the same verse. See, if you don't catch it, I know you will. Then David said, I acknowledge my, say it with me out loud, all right, try it again. You can do better. Sin. I acknowledge my sin to you, talking to God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my to the Lord, and you forgave. Thankfully, you forgave, David said, the, the guilt of my sin. So to recap, we all have sin. We, you know, sin, transgression, iniquity. It started with Adam. It continues with us, and now six billion plus people on planet earth. And according to scripture, you know what it's done? It's messed up the world. Who has sinned? All of us have sinned. Six billion plus people on earth. Who has sinned? All six billion. See, when things are going wrong, see if this doesn't make sense to you. When things are going wrong in the world, a lot of people, you know what they do? They look heavenward and say, what's up with God? 
What's the problem with God? Look how bad. Look, things in our world are not always happy and beautiful and wonderful. What's up with God? There must be a problem with God. Can I tell you there is zero problem with God? The problem is the six billion of us that populate his planet. Does that make sense? And as a result of that, we live, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but we actually live on a broken planet. And as a result, there are five implications. And now where I want you to get some really good notes, uh, notes, because I want you to teach this. I want you to help other people understand this. There are five implications that have now become a reality. I'm going to give you all five and I'm going to do it rather quickly. And then this is not going to be like cheerful news, but on the end, I'm going to tie this together and you'll leave encouraged. But right now, just brace yourself. Number one, here's an implication. You ready? Number one, because sin has entered the world, because you and I live in a messed up sinful uh, world on a broken planet, there are five results of that. Number one, there are natural disasters. There are natural disasters. How many of you know that nature does not always act natural? How many of you know that nature oftentimes acts irrational? I'll give you an example. Tropical storm Etta. That's not normal. That's not how God designed the world. What about uh, hurricanes? And we've had hurricanes much more ferocious, uh, you know, we know than tropical storms. But tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis. Why is this so? It is that way. Is it like God, he's just mad at the world and he's sending all these things? The problem is we live on a broken planet. See, here's the problem. Since sin entered the Garden of Eden, this world has never been the same since. Do you think there were hurricanes in the Garden of Eden? Were there tornadoes? Did they have to deal with a lot of the things that, that we deal with? Absolutely not. The world that you and I exist in is not the world as though the way that God created it. Sin is in the world. When did it start? All the way back in Adam. Paul uh, told us that. And now we all sin. None of us do good all of the time. And so as a result of a sinful, messed up world on a broken planet, there are natural disasters. Be sure you get this verse down. I want you to get the verses down because you're going to need to back up what you tell others with, with the truth of God's word. Look at Romans 8.20, for creation was condemned to lose its purpose. The way this world functions now is not the way that God originally has designed it. You can read on later and add it to your notes if you'd like. Verse 22, still in Romans 8, it says that creation has been, listen to the phrase here, has been groaning with pain. Creation has been groaning with pain. And you're like, Jeff, what does that even mean? It, it is telling us that creation is not, catch this now, creation is not in harmony with God. So as a result of that, there are natural disasters. You need to know that. I need to know that. We need to be able to communicate this to other people because people a lot of times get this. Their worldview is all distorted. It's like, well, if God would do this and if God wouldn't do and God, 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 and God gets the blame. Uh, no, God is not the problem. Humanity is the problem. So number one, there are natural disasters. If you wave at me, I'll move on to number two, but I won't until you wave at me. All right, number two. There are not only natural disasters, be sure you get this now, there is physical death and decay. Physical death and decay. Not only does nature act in irrational ways, so do our physical bodies. I don't need to tell you that, do I? 
That's why we need doctors and nurses and medicine today. Why? Because of our, our bodies often act in irrational ways. But prior to the fall, and we've got lots of doctors and, and uh, several doctors that are part of our church family here, a lot of nurses, a lot of people in the medical community. But do you know, prior to the fall, before sin ever came into the world, do you know uh, you'd never be able to find a doctor's office in the Garden of Eden? You'd never be able to. See, physical death and decay was not a part of God's original plan prior to uh, sin entering into the world. I'll give you a couple of verses here, and uh, I'm moving quickly, but be sure you get these two verses. You ready? Here's one. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker. Testimony time. Anybody want to stand up and talk about that a little bit? How many of you wave at me if you believe that? Our physical body is becoming older and weaker. How many of you guys are like me, willing to admit? Us guys, listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of diseases, a lot of things. How many of you guys are willing to admit that you have furniture disease? You do know what furniture disease is, don't you? Your chest fell in your drawers. Let's keep moving. All right, so let's keep going here. Here we go. I digress. <laughs> Romans 8, 28. All creation looks forward to the day. Isn't this true? When it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. How many of you know that's good news? How many of you know it's good news that in heaven we all get glorified bodies? Can somebody say amen? amen. How many of you, you're going to get that body you've always wanted amen. in heaven? So... There are natural disasters. Secondly, there is physical death and decay. Thirdly, there, are, there, is emotional, there is emotional distress and disappointment. Natural disasters, physical death and decay, there, are, there is emotional distress and disappointment. Because you and I live in a broken, sinful world, we face all kind of emotional challenges. We do. We all do. What about stress? Any of you have ever faced stress? You ever deal with stress? How many of you have dealt with stress in the last 24 hours? You ever worry? We have any worry warts? Wave at me. It's okay. Anybody worry? Do you ever worry when things are going good in your life that something's right around the corner that will come that would really make you want to worry? Things are just too good. Worry. What about fear? What about discouragement? What about the fear of failure? What about disappointments? We experience these realities because we're not in heaven yet. See, heaven is a perfect place. Let me say that again. Heaven is a perfect place. How many of you have already figured out that you currently do not reside in a perfect place? This world is not a perfect place. You know that. Can I ask you a question as a follow-up? Because right now we're talking about emotional distress and disappointment. Can I ask you a question? Are you ever disappointed? Are you ever disappointed? You thought something was going to be one way and it turned out to be entirely different? Sure you are. We're all disappointed. It happens all the time. You plan a trip or you plan a vacation. Have you ever had a trip that did not go the way you wanted it to or a vacation and it did not go the way you wanted it to? You ever been disappointed because of a trip or vacation? You thought, I mean, at least in the brochure or online, it looked at like it was going to be this. How many of you have pulled up to a room thinking your room was going to be incredible, but it wasn't quite as good as it was in the picture? You're like, was that the same place even? Disappointment. 
Have you ever been disappointed in a birthday? Well, I thought, I thought it was going to be like this. I thought they were going to do this. I was expecting, but no, disappointed. Have you ever been, dis- here's a good one. Have you ever been disappointed at a package that was delivered and what it looked like when you ordered it online was going to be one way, but you were disappointed when you saw what you actually got when you opened the box? Now, I, don't, I hope I don't have to give up my man card when I admit this, but I like to shop. I do. I just like to shop. I mean, uh, if I need to turn in my man card, I hope you I don't have to, but I, I like to shop, and I'll shop online. I find certain things, and I know, okay, once I've got that brand, and I know the size, I'm not worried about trying. So uh, recently, though, recently, and I've taken a little ribbon uh, about this. There was this shirt that I saw online, and I'm like, I know that shirt. I've worn those shirts. I know what size. That is a sharp-looking shirt, so I went ahead, ordered it online. It came several days later. I opened it up, and I kid you not. And what I could not see online, I now saw personally right before my very eyes. All over this shirt is little little spider webs, and there's little spiders hanging all over my shirt. (laughs) I kid you not. I open it up, I'm like, I'm like, there's spiders all over my shirt. Now, listen, I know you, and I'm going to wear that shirt soon, but you'll never know it because I'm not going to tell you it's that shirt. And don't come around afterwards looking every week to see if I'm wearing social distance. Don't get up so close you can see my shirt because I may have my Spider-Man shirt on. Okay, maybe it's not a Spider-Man. Maybe it's just a spider shirt. Have you ever been disappointed? You thought it was going to be this way, and you open it up, and you're like, "Mm, not as advertised. What about Christmas or Thanksgiving gathering? Some of you are so excited about gathering for the holidays, but some of you already know you're going to be disappointed because uncle so-and-so is going to be there. It's like, ah, it would have been a great time, but guess who's going to be there? Guess, hey, guess who's going to be there this year? What about friends? Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes you're disappointed when your football team plays Alabama and Florida all in the same year and it's (laughs) with disastrous results. I have my second counseling appointment this week <laughs> with many to follow. Uh, Job chapter 6 and verse 20, you need to see this. Be sure you get it because you're going to teach others. They are distressed. Why? Because they had been confident they arrived there only to be what? Disappointed. There are natural disasters. You're with me? Wave at me. There is physical death and decay. Thirdly, there is emotional, uh, there's emotional distress and disappointment. Number four, be sure you get this one down. There is uh, relational, there is relational disharmony and disengagement. There is relational disharmony and disengagement. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, it not only interfered with their relationship with God, it hindered their relationship with each other. I won't take the time to go into all of that, but you can go back and look at it later. Prior to the fall, there had been absolute openness, hadn't there? There had been this utter vulnerability. There had been honesty with one another, but I'm telling you, when sin came into the world, isn't it amazing? You can go back. This is not a part of my notes, but I'll just throw it in for extra uh, credit. Here's the thing that isn't amazing when, uh, you know, uh, we know the story of how it played out and... um, and, and God really gets after Adam because he said, listen, here's, here's his excuse. Here's his excuse. Do you know that Adam, how many of you know this? Generally, when we sin, we want to blame somebody besides ourselves. 
And God says, Adam, I told you, you could eat from any tree in the garden except for this one. And then he says, and God's reproving him for that. And you know what Adam ends up doing? Blaming God for his own sin. How did he do it? Go back. You can check it out. This is for extra credit. He said, God, here's his words, and I'm paraphrasing. The woman you gave me made me sin. Had you not given her to me, I never would have sinned. So it's your fault. You gave Eve, Eve gave me, and I'm, I'm innocent, God. I'm just completely in the clear. It's actually, at the end of the day, your fault. because. But there had been all this openness and all. But look at this. Look at this. Notice this. What happens? Genesis 3, 7. At that moment, when they sinned, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, this is long before we all started wearing masks. See, relationships have had to deal with this ever since. How many of you have already discovered it is not easy raising kids? Oh, they're just a little angel. No, they're not. They are not. You think they are, but nobody else thinks they are. They recognize them for what they are. They're born. How many of you believe this? Even your, this is hard for me to admit because I want to think my grandkids are an exception. But I've been around them. I've seen how they act. They are born with a sinful nature. Kids are. And raising kids, you know, uh, siblings, uh, family events, friends, marriage, all these relational dynamics in our life have been challenged. Why? It goes all the way back to Genesis because there's relational disharmony and disengagement once sin entered into the world. That's why we've got to fight so hard to have great relationships. I need to hurry. Number five. There is spiritual darkness and discontent. There is spiritual darkness and discontent. See, sin leaves a huge hole in our heart that only God can fill. I want to say that again. Sin always leaves a hole in our heart that only God can fill. See, the way that God created you, and we looked at that last week. If you missed it, I hope you'll go back and check that out. But God created us, created us in his image. And when God created us, he created us with a God-shaped hole in our heart that only God can fill. Nobody else can fill, and we can try to fill it up with a lot of different things. In fact, usually when we become disconnected from God, even if it's slightly disconnected from God, we try to fill that hole with other replacements. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work, 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 work. I've got a hole in my heart. I'm going to work, 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 work. Or here's what I'm going to do. My hobbies, my hobbies, 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 sports, sports, sports. Here's, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, sometimes people will say, here's, here's what I'll do. Um, you know, I need to medicate myself. I've got a hole in my heart, and I've got this emptiness and loneliness in my life, and so I don't know what to do about it. So some people will turn to drugs. Some people will turn to alcohol. Some people think, well, you know, there's this hole in my heart. Maybe they don't even recognize it initially for what it is, and they think, well, there's a person. You know, a person can fill this hole in my heart. Okay, well, they didn't work, so I'm going to try another person, and then another person, and then another person, and another person, because eventually I'm going to get to the place where I find that person that fills that hole in my heart. Friends, I'm telling you, there's a hole in our heart that only God can fill. Nobody else can. You know, you're never going to find a relationship that can fill a God-shaped hole in your heart. No, but there's no relationship that is designed to do that. It's impossible. Look at this verse. Be sure you get it down. Ephesians 4.18. It says this. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but also with reality itself. Hey, I'll, I'll find something. There's got to be something out there somewhere that's going to fill that hole in my heart. See, there may be an epidemic of the coronavirus, but there is also a pandemic of emptiness 
and restlessness. Sin entered the world. All the way back to Adam. Six billion plus people populating the planet. Nobody does good all of the time. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. And as a result, in this world, this sinful, messed up world, this broken planet that we lived on, live in, there are natural disasters. There is physical death. There is emotional disappointments. There, there is uh, relationship disharmony, relational disharmony, and there's spiritual darkness. Now, if we just stop right here, you'd be like, wow, I'm so glad I came to church today. We were really encouraged. I feel so much better. Thank God for an encouraging church. So here's what I want to do. I want to tell you that what we've just talked about is not the end of the story. God is at work in this messed up world. God is at work in this messed up world. So what is he up to? What is our Heavenly Father actually doing? Now, I want to just say this to you. I, I, eschatology is the doctrine of end things. We're not even chasing that. But I'm just telling you, if we were talking about that today, I would say when the Holy Spirit, which the Bible refers to as the restrainer, when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world, I want to be on his coattails. How many of you would agree that this world is not always good, happy? How many of you would agree that this world has a lot of evil in it? Can you imagine? God is holding back a tide of evil like you can't believe. Do you want to be in this world when the Holy Spirit's taken out of the world? Absolutely not. And one day Jesus is coming back. And it may be sooner than we think. And when Jesus comes back, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the world. And this place that is so evil in so many respects is going to. So all that to say, you and I ought to be glad that God is still at work in this world. And how many of you know that God could shut the door and turn out the lights and initiate his fierce judgment right now and would be fully validated in doing so? But he's not. And there's a reason why. And you need to help other people. You need to understand this, but you need to help other people understand this. And I'm going to give you three things that God is up to, what God is up to. We looked at, you know, all the results of what is happening, natural disasters, physical death. and decay. We've talked about that, but here's what we've got to understand. God is working. God is doing certain things. And just before we get to that, I'm going to give you three really quickly. But I want you to see six verses. Jeremiah was a prophet that God sent. And Jeremiah had the answers. And he wrote this book. I mean, uh, the obvious book that Jeremiah wrote would be the one that has his name, right? By the way, let me encourage you. You will thank me one day in heaven. Read all of the Bible. Read all of the Bible. Because one day you're going to get to heaven and some of these prophets are going to come up to you and they're going to say, did you read my book? And you don't want to say, no, I never read your book. Oh, yes, that was a great book. So Jeremiah, his obvious book is Jeremiah, but he wrote another book. Any of you know the name of it? Lamentations. Lament. Lamentation. But he knew the answers, and I want you to have the answers. Well, look at this. Just thinking of my troubles and my lonely wandering makes me what? miserable. That's all I ever think about, and I'm depressed. How many of you know if you think about all your problems long enough, you'll be depressed? That's what Jeremiah said. Then I remember something that fills me with hope. The Lord's kindness never fails. Look at this next part. If he had not been merciful, we would have all been destroyed. How many of you know that? 
How many of you are glad God's merciful? His mercies are what? Brand new every single morning. The Lord can always be trusted to show mercy each morning. Deep in my heart, I say, this is so good. This is why you've got to get it. The Lord is all I need. Would you say that with me, everybody? The Lord is all I need. Thank God for so many other wonderful things in life. But say it again. The Lord is all I need. I can depend on him. What is God doing? He could shut it all down. He could. He could do it right now. But God is actually doing three things. And you need to understand it. And you need to help others understand it. He has given us, number one, a choice. He's given us a choice. See, only human beings have this opportunity. You are not a robot. You are not a puppet. You have a brain that is capable of making decisions, and you get to choose. I want everybody to read this verse with me. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's all read it together. All means all. Let's all read it together. Today I am giving you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. God, why is God holding back? Why is God, as bad as this world can be, as much evil that it is, sin-prone world that we live in, broken planet, what is God up to? What is God doing? He's given us the opportunity to make a choice. See, I, let me just say this. For those of you that are right here in, in this building and those of you that are watching online, God really wants us to love him. He does. He wants us to serve him, to obey him, to follow him, but he's never going to force us to do it. He simply will not. You know, from what we talked about last week, we're made in the image of God. God created us with the capacity to be able to make decisions. And you know what any of us can do? We can either say yes to God, yes to God. That ought to be our immediate response to God, prompt obedience, yes to God. We can say yes to God. We should say yes uh, to God. But God also gives us the capacity, the brain that we have that is capable of making decisions. We can say no to God. God has given us a choice. He gives us all a choice. He gives everybody a, a choice. We can say yes or no to good or evil, to wrong or right. We have the capacity to be able to do this. But how many of you know, with every choice we make, there's always going to be consequences to those choices. God has given us a choice. Number two, you ready? God is demonstrating that each of us need a Savior, that each of us need a Savior. That's what he wants the world to know. That all of us need a Savior. I'd love to tell you that all of this junk in the world is going to get better. I'd love. There's nothing. I'd love to say, hey, hey, hang on, everybody. Hang on. Just around the corner, everything is going to start getting better. You watch and see next week, next month, next year, next decade, everything, if Jesus tarries, is going to get better, better, better. But you know what? That would be totally inaccurate. Here on earth, there are problems, there's pain, and there are perplexities, and they're not going to end. In fact, you know what? What's going to happen? I hate to tell you this because I'm a positive person. They're going to get worse. Jeff, you ought not say that. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this, in the last days, there will be many troubles. That's the Bible. That's not my opinion. I want to say, in the last days, there's going to be everything wonderful. Every, what's that old song? Everything is beautiful. I'd love, but the Bible says in the last days, here's another translation, perilous times will come. 
God could shut it all down. He could turn the lights out. He could initiate his fierce judgment right now. But what is he doing? He is giving people the opportunity to make a choice. He is demonstrating that we each need a Savior. And there's a lot of people that say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm self-made. I can do this on my own. I, I can be good on my own. I, can, I don't need a Savior. How many of you know a lot of people in the world feel that? I don't need a Savior. I don't need God in my life. I don't need Jesus in my life. I don't need a Savior. I can do it all on my own. But I'll show you a problem that. Look at this verse right here. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. How many of you, I'll raise my hand. How many of you fall into that category more times than you'd like to admit? And it thus proves that all of us need a Savior. Thirdly, finally, what is God up to? Why is he holding back? It is to reveal to the world his divine grace. He's shown the world his love, his mercy, his grace. I want to just say it this way. There's so much going on in the world right now that simply stated God does not like. There's so much going on in the world right now that God, it just breaks its heart. This is not the world that God created. Did God force Adam and Eve to sin in the Garden of Eden? Do you think he did? No. They had the capacity. They had a brain. And they were able to make their own choices, and they did, and sin entered the world. And see, I used to say, and I'll still probably say it in the future, you just wait till we get to heaven. There's going to be long lines standing before Adam and Eve to just smack them because of all the problems we deal with. But you know what the problem is? You and I are much more like Adam and Eve than we're willing to admit because we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. There's so much that God doesn't like. I'm, t I'm telling you, there, there's coming a time when God, when a mighty, powerful God will initiate his judgment. That day, how many of you know, God is going to settle accounts. Have you ever felt this way? Well, how is God letting them get by with that? Have you ever felt that way? How many of you know at the end of time, God's going to settle scores? There will be an accounting at the end of time. Why not now? Why isn't God shutting the door, turning out the lights, initiating his fierce judgment right now? Because God is filled with grace. One last verse, and then I'm going to pray. Look at this verse. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. A lot of people think that. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everybody to what? To repent, to be saved. Would you stand with me? God wants everybody to be saved. Maybe you're not in a relationship with God. Maybe you have family members. Maybe you have friends. And you're like, oh, man. Uh, you know, how many of us would be willing to admit we're not identifying who it is or what they've done? But how many of you are like me? You've got some family members that you're glad Jesus hasn't come back yet. How many of you, you have some family members like that? And you're like, I am so glad. I am so glad that God is demonstrating patience. And it's because of his grace. But it's not going to last forever. It's not, listen, there's coming a time when everybody gets in the ark and the door on the ark is going to shut and nobody's going to open that door. That time has not happened yet. Why? God is demonstrating his grace because he wants us to be saved. He wants our family to be saved. 
He wants our friends to be saved. Has this made sense to you this morning? Has this clarified some things in your mind? Like, I understand things a little bit different now. God's just holding back. He will come and he will judge. But God has given people an opportunity to make a choice, for people to come to the realization they need a Savior, for people to see his divine grace at work in this world. If you're not a Christian, I pray that you will become one today. If you are a Christian and you've got family members and you've got friends that are not Christians, pray for them like never before. Talk to them. Take some of what we've learned today. Share it with them as conversations that come up. And just let them know, hey, there's coming a day. The door on the ark is going to be shut and it will not be opened again. There will be no second chances. There will be no second chances. I have people, and I, I don't have time to even get into this. Some people say, well, if I miss the rapture of the church, that's okay. I'll come to Jesus in the tribulation. If you can't serve Jesus now, you'll never be able to serve Jesus in the tribulation. That's a farce. That's a, we need to pray. We need to pray now. So if you're not a Christian, you pray with me. Invite Christ to come into your life. If you are a Christian, while I'm leading people to receive Jesus, you pray for your family members and you pray for your friends and ask God to increase the urgency in your own heart. And then after I say amen, we're going to sing just a small part of one song and then we'll be dismissed. Father, just pray this. If you're not a, if you're not a Christian, uh, Heavenly Father, you're not my father yet, but I want you to become my father. Jesus, I want you to come and be my savior. Jesus, you came into this world. You died on a cross. You rose again so that my sins can be forgiven. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, come into my life. I need a Savior. I know that's what Christmas is all about, that God sent you, Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you. I want to make heaven my home. When you leave this world, I want to leave with you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Let's sing together. Join us next week Sunday. Have a great day.